Well, nice to have everyone here tonight, and we especially want to thank our visitors for coming and appreciate you so much for coming to help us and encourage us. I know all of the brethren here are happy to see you tonight, and, and Charlotte and I are happy that you've come as well. I'd like to begin tonight by encouraging you to read a passage of Scripture with me from Paul's writing to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth and speaking about a difficult problem that he had, knowing what to do about his situation. Let's learn more about that. Our text is Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. Paul writes to say, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this must mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy and faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. A woman who had been shopping downtown returned to her car on the street where she had parked, she became a little bit of annoyed whenever she looked and noticed how the other cars in front of her and behind her were so very close to her, leaving her very little room. But she got in her car, put her packages in the trunk of the car and got in, and then she began to move. First of all, she drove backwards until she nudged the car that was behind her. And then she put it in forward gear and pulled forward until she tapped the bumper of the car that was in front of her. And then she began to do it all over again. 
again and again, driving first back and then forward, as if to somehow open up the space that would make it easier for her to pull out. Well, a man heard this sound of metal against metal and stopped and began to stare in amazement. He couldn't believe what this woman was doing, damaging her own car and the two cars, the one in front and the one in back. And because of that sound and that man standing there watching in unbelief, a crowd soon assembled there. And then uh, an officer, a patrolman, passing by saw the crowd and stopped and watched. He could not believe what this woman was doing. Finally, the woman saw the officer and she motioned to him, come, come over, come over, through her car window. And when he came near, she said, sir, could you please help me get out of here? And he said, well, ma'am, I've been watching you for some time now. I'd be glad to help you, but I can't tell whether you're coming or going. <laughs> the Apostle Paul couldn't tell whether he wanted to go or to stay. He didn't really know, but it was a dilemma for him as he wrote to these brethren. No doubt many of us have been in situations like that where we did not know what to do. And that's what I'd like to think with you about tonight. Some things that we can do whenever we don't know what to do. In my mother's family, they would have a very quaint expression that they would use many times. I heard my aunt say the same thing I heard my mother say. I don't know if I'm pitching or catching. You know, whether you're going forward or you're going back, sometimes we just don't know what to do. The Apostle Paul had his dilemma, as we've read in our text, and he wrote about his imprisonment, he wrote about his enemies and their stirring up of trouble. You know, they were making it hard on the Apostle Paul. They were trying to talk about what he was teaching and somehow bring some uh, persecution upon him, even though he was already in prison. And so his enemies were stirring up trouble, adding to his affliction, the affliction of his bonds. He wanted to continue his labors in the Lord, and this hero uh, of all of the apostles that we know, this great apostle Paul, said that he would look on the bright side of things, that whether they made it easy for him or hard, he was not going to stop preaching the Word of God. He said, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. In other words, I just don't know what to do. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. My old American Standard Version has him saying, I am in a strait betwixt the two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, which he says is far better. But knowing he was in this difficult situation and knowing that they needed him, he said, I will remain. I will stay for your sake. Let me get my chart on here. I should have done that earlier. Um, the words of the Apostle Paul. All of us, as I said, have been in situations like this, and I'd like to share with you tonight some of the answers that I think we can find in the text that we are looking at about this question, what to do whenever you don't know what to do. The Apostle Paul certainly can give us some encouragement in that regard. 
First of all, when you don't know what to do, we need to try to be patient. That's one of the things that we can learn here. Try being patient. Patient means bearing pains or trials calmly or without complaint, manifesting forbearance under provocation or strain, not hasty or impetuous, steadfast despite opposition, difficulty or adversity, able or willing to bear. You know, you could just have a footnote right there, see the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1, because he's such a great example of what patience is all about. Thayer defines the word patience this way. He says, in the New Testament, the characteristic of a man who is unswerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to the faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. Here's how the word is used in several Bible passages. First of all, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and um, verses 5 through 11, Peter says we're to add patience, and so it's something that is not optional for the child of God. It is something that we grow uh, to do and to find. Adding on your part all diligence in your faith supply virtue and in your virtue knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, patience. And in your patience, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and your brotherly kindness, love. We are to follow after patience, among other things. First Timothy 6 and verse 11, that means we must seek it out. We must look for ways in which we can develop this. We are to be sound in patience, or steadfastness, Titus 2 and verse 2. We're to run with uh, patience, our race, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Once upon a time, a chemist concocted a soft drink formula and called his product One Up, but it did not sell. He tried to improve it and changed the name to Two Up, but it still did not sell. Again, he revised the formula and changed the name to Three Up, but still it was a failure. He kept trying until he called his product Six Up, and then he quit. No, no, you know he didn't, <laughs> because all of us know about Seven Up. We know that he continued until he was successful. He was patient, and he finally had success with his product. Many times when we don't know what to do, what we need to do is to just keep on keeping on. When I think about that expression, I always remember Brother Eli. Years ago in Ohio, I was preaching in a meeting, and, and I stayed with Brother Eli during that meeting and his wife. Uh, they were very kind, elderly people, and they were very good to me. Brother Eli would offer prayer at the table, and somewhere in that prayer, he would always say those words, Lord, help us to keep on keeping on. On Sunday, whenever we went to services, he waited on the Lord's table, and when he prayed his prayer and gave thanks for the bread and the fruit of the vine, both times he said, Lord, help us to keep on keeping on. I learned that Brother Eli used that expression every time he prayed. In fact, one of the young men that I'd known before some years ago uh, was in that congregation, and Steve came to me that week, and he said, Brother Bob, you're an older fella. Maybe you could talk to Brother Eli and tell him that he needs to change some of his phraseology in his prayers. He often 
says the very same thing over and over again. If he said it once, he said it a thousand times. Lord, help us to keep on keeping on. You know, Bob, there's a, there's a better way for us to say that. Why don't you say something to him while you're with him this week? And I thought about it for a second, and I said, you know, Steve, I think I'll tell Brother Eli to just keep on keeping on. You know, folks, that's what it's all about. That's what our life is all about. That may be, you know, uh, kind of an old-fashioned way of saying it, but it's got it exactly right. If we're going to serve the Lord, if we're going to be faithful, we've just got to keep on keeping on. And that's the idea that we need in this regard. Many times when we don't know what to do, what we need to do is to just keep on keeping on. Well, something else I believe we can see in the life of the Apostle Paul that helps us here is that when we don't know what to do, we need to just try being positive. Look at verses 14 through 18 once again. Here are these men that are stirring up trouble for the Apostle. He says, Most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. The fact that I'm here in prison has made these fellows that are on the outside more bold to speak. They are not with, without, uh, they are without fear because they know that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. He says, verse 15, Some indeed, though, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Think about this. Here he was in prison, and instead of trying to do what they could to help him, maybe even work toward maybe getting him out of prison, they're trying to make it so that he would have to stay in prison by telling everybody. Do you know what the Apostle Paul is preaching? Do you know the gospel that, it, uh, that is presented by him? Yeah, the gospel that he's teaching requires this and requires that. And Paul said, what they're doing is to try to make things worse for me in the position that I'm in here in prison. But he says, you know, I don't care about that. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. The Apostle Paul was going to stay positive. And he could say, even though those men out there are trying to make it harder for me, I'm just glad they're telling what I'm believing and what I'm teaching to others. And so I'll just go on being thankful that the gospel is being preached. How greatly this would change our circumstances, brethren. Thinking like the Apostle Paul. Someone has said someone uh, will see or some people will see an opportunity in every difficulty. Others see a difficulty in every opportunity. We need to recognize Paul's optimistic view in this regard. And it would certainly change our circumstances if we did. Sometimes it's just a matter of how you look at things. Did you tackle the trouble that came your way with a resolute heart and cheerful or hide your face from the light of day with a craven soul and fearful. Oh, a trouble's a ton, or a trouble's an ounce, or a trouble is what you make it. And it isn't the fact that you're down that counts, but only how will you take it? How are we taking it whenever it comes? 
if we just had more optimism, if we just were more concerned about the fact that as long as we're faithful and true and look on the bright side, the Lord will bless us and the Lord will help us. Isn't this the reason why Paul tells us how we ought to think uh, about things that, uh, I think I'm on the right page here. Let me make sure I've got this on here. Paul tells us how we ought to think in Philippians 4 and verse 8. He says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. These things are all so positive. Look at them. Things that are true and noble and just and pure and lovely, good report, things of virtue and things of praise, praiseworthy things. These are all so positive. If we just had a more positive outlook whenever we get into trouble or we get in a difficult situation, maybe we'd know what to do. I heard about two frogs. Two frogs fell into a deep cream bowl. One was an optimistic soul, but the other took the gloomy view. We shall both drown, he cried with much ado. And so with a last despairing cry, he flung up his legs and he yelled, goodbye, glub, 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 glub. Said the other frog with a merry grin, I won't, I won't get out, but I won't give in. I'll just swim till my strength is spent, and then will I die the more content. Bravely he swam till it would seem his struggles began to churn the cream. On top of the butter at last he stopped, and out of the bowl he gladly hopped. What is the moral? Tis easily found. If you can't get out, keep swimming around. You know, that's what Paul was doing. He couldn't get out. He couldn't get out of prison. And he wasn't going to stop preaching and teaching the gospel to those that he could while he was in prison. So he just kept on being positive, being concerned about doing the work of the Lord. And that's what we need to do when we don't know what to do sometimes. Another thing that I can learn from the Apostle Paul here is that we need to try to be prayerful. Look at verses 19 and 20. The Apostle Paul knew that these brethren were praying for him. He said, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Their prayers. Preachers need your prayers, brethren. We all need your prayers. All of us need prayers, but pray for preachers just like they prayed for the Apostle Paul. But Paul's prayers are implied here too. I think we should see that. And if you look at verses 3 through 11, you see one of the most beautiful prayers that we have in all the Bible. Listen to what Paul said when he began this epistle writing to his brethren there. Think about where he's at and what he's facing and how people are treating him. But look at how positive and how important this prayer is. Paul says in verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains 
and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, verse 9, that your love may abound still more and more in all knowledge and discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's prayers were so wonderful. And you know, one of the very best ways to study about prayer, I believe, is to look at all of the passages in the New Testament where Paul talked about prayer, taught about prayer, and prayed. And you'd be surprised at what we could learn about the importance of prayer. But certainly in this case, we can recognize this man was going on. He didn't know whether he wanted to go on and be with Jesus or stay for the sake of the brethren. But he would make his prayers. And as he contemplated all of this, as he thought about it, as he thought about them and their need, he said, you know, it'd be far better for me if I could just go and be with the Lord. But I know I need to come and be with you again if I can. And if I can, I will. And I'm hoping that until I get there, that you'll be strong in the faith and you'll continue the work of the Lord. Paul was such an, a great example in this regard. What terrible burdens we bear, all because we neglect prayer. Someone has said, to neglect prayer is to burden ourselves with care, to shut ourselves out of blessing, to enfeeble our faith, to dim the eyes of our hope, to dampen the fire of our zeal, to relax the grip of our tenacity, to weaken the heart of love, and to rob ourselves of its strength. I think it's so true that whenever we neglect prayer, we're neglecting one of the most important things of all. You know, Paul tells us to pray about everything in Philippians 4, verse, verses 6 through 7. In nothing be anxious, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So many times what happens whenever we get into a difficult situation, we worry. We begin to be anxious. We begin to fret. We begin to say, what are we going to do about this? Oh, what, what are we going to do? And we get ourselves so moved to a point that we can't think straight and we can't make good decisions. Paul said, in nothing be anxious. Another way of saying that is worry about nothing. That's what the Bible says, worry about nothing. God is saying to us, you can absolutely not justify yourselves worrying about one single thing. Why? Because you have an alternative. You're to give it all to God. Let God know about your worries. Let God know about your anxieties. In everything, you know, worry about nothing in everything. By prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And when we do, what a wonderful thing will be found. What a wonderful thing we'll experience. Have you ever experienced it, brethren? I hope you have. If you haven't, you're going to have to try it. Because Paul says you'll have the peace of God that passes all understanding. I was teaching about that once in a class, and, and one of the ladies said, Brother Dickey, could you help me 
to understand that better. Can you tell me what that means? And I said, you know, I've experienced it. I believe it. I know that it happens, but I can't explain it all. I just know that it's past understanding. And if it's past understanding, no preacher can really tell you all about it. You just have to experience it. You have to experience the fact that you take it all to God and leave it with Him and ask for His help and guidance, and He will see you through. The peace of God that passes all understanding. In nothing be anxious, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And look what God will do for us, bring about peace. I heard about a, a farmer traveling in the old days, uh, hitched up his wagon and was carrying something with him to sell into town. And as he was making his way down that dusty road, he came upon an old man with a heavy pack on his back, a, a sack that was weighing him down. And he felt sorry for that man. And so he said to him, oh, sir, climb up into my wagon here and let me carry you on into town. And the man was so appreciative. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your help. Thank you for giving me a lift. And he got up in the wagon. So the farmer's driving on down with his team and, and he, he takes a moment to look around in the back at the man that he picked up. And to his dismay, there the man is in the back standing up in the wagon. And he still has his pack on his back. And he, he's still, now it's even more difficult for him because the wagon is jostling him around. And he stops the team. And he said, sir, throw that bag down. It's so heavy. I'm giving you a load. I mean, I'm taking a load off of you and I, I'm taking you into town. And the... And the old man said, oh, sir, you were so kind to give me a lift. I couldn't bother you with my pack as well. When, when I read that, I thought about how we behave toward God. Oh, God, I, I just can't, I can't give you this burden. Oh, I just can't tell you about what I'm facing. Oh, it's just, it's too terrible. I don't want to bother you, God, with my problems, with my troubles, with my worries. You try to remember the picture of that man holding that that heavy load in the back of that wagon, and that man's trying to help him to get to town. And think about that the next time you won't tell God about your trouble. The Lord wants to help us. He wants to help us bear our burdens. But we have to remember to pray and give it to Him. When I was going to school years ago, uh, we worked in um, a place where we made great big reels for the telephone company, I think it was, and their cables. And we would put these slats together and make these big reels, and several of us boys that were going to school need help with our tuition, and so uh, we would work every chance that we got. And I remember Richard, one of the boys I went to school with, and Richard could fly off the handle quicker than any fella I ever knew. And because of that, the guys picked on him, you know. They said, let's get him going. Let's, let's, let's get him upset. And so they'd go and say something to him, and another one would go, and pretty soon he'd be throwing his hammer down and say, I'm quitting. And would say, oh, you can't quit, Richard. You can't quit. And he said, yes, I can. I'm going to go fishing. You can't go fishing. He says, it's in the Bible. And we'd say, in the Bible? He said, oh, yes. The Lord says, casting all your care on him. Casting all your care. And we'd say, Richard, you know, that's talking about prayer. 
That's not talking about fishing, that's talking about care. He said, well, fishing helps me to cast my care. You know, whether you go fishing or find uh, a dark place, go into your closet. Most of us have closets that will not allow us to do what Jesus said to do. But go into some place where you can cast all your care upon the Lord because the Lord will bear our burden. He'll help us if we take it to Him in prayer. When you don't know what to do, always remember to pray. Well, one more thing that we want to see and learn from the Apostle Paul regarding what to do when you don't know what to do is to try being productive. Try doing what you can. Go to work. Consider how very productive Paul was. He never stopped working, even when they put him in prison. Notice in the text that we just read that Paul thought about his dilemma and thought his way out of it. What I shall choose, I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. He had thought it out, he had considered it all, and he made his choice. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all. The Apostle Paul would not stop working until he died. He would continue to work for the Lord. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I think about my life sometimes and I ask myself, Bob, what is your life? And I think about what Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Maybe I'm too old. Maybe I need to stop preaching. I, I say to myself, you know, when, when are you going to finally just let some younger fella come in? and help the church there. And, and you can be a help, but you know, maybe you're a little too old. And I think about Paul, not stopping. And he said, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If you were to ask people to say, what is your life? What would they say? Some people would have to say, well, for me to live is my cigarettes, my, my smoking, my drinking, my fooling around, my doing this and doing that and going here and going there and getting this and what I want out of life, that's for me, that's my life. How would we define our lives today? What would you say your life is? Paul says, my life is Christ. And if I die, I'm better off. It will be gain to go and be with the Lord. What a strong example for all of us. Whenever you don't know what to do, get to work. Whenever you don't know what to do about a situation, just get busy doing something for the Lord. Paul could sum up his life, or the reason for his life, in one word, Christ. And whether he lived or died, he would magnify Christ in his life, in his body, in his death. But he desired to live and to be of help to his brethren. I know that I shall abide. I want to come to you again. I want to come and experience what I'll see when I get there, your progress in the faith and joy of faith. And what about us whenever we don't know what to do? You know, so many times we become so sad, so discouraged, so hurt that we end up doing nothing. Go to bed and cry. Lay down and cry. But not Paul. I know that we're going to be sad because I've been, 
I know we're going to be discouraged because I've been there. I know we're going to be hurt. People are going to hurt us. Things are going to hurt us. Life is going to hurt us. But we can't quit. We can't give up. Someone has said in trying times, try, try, try. Just like the Apostle Paul did. I think I've got it on there somewhere, brethren. I don't know where it is, but he desired to be of help to his brethren. Here it is. In trying times, just try, try, try. When you don't know what to do, do something for God. Well, our lesson tonight has been about what to do when you don't know what to do. But our intent is to make sure that everyone who is of accountable age tonight knows what to do to be a child of God. Knows what we should do to be right with God. And so we want to encourage you to think about the gospel of Christ. In trying times, remember, be patient, be positive, be prayerful, be productive. And remember this, between the great things that we cannot do and the little things that often we don't care to do, the danger is that we, we might do absolutely nothing. And I've seen it so often when I give the invitation of Christ that there are some people that do nothing. And you sadly realize that their soul is in jeopardy and the opportunity is right and the Lord is near and the gospel of Christ is open to all who will come and the blood of Jesus Christ is ready to cleanse us of all sin. People have been wrong in their lives. They've been false to the Lord. They've been false to their wife, their husband, their brethren, their friends. They've done things they shouldn't do. And we encourage people to make things right with God. And still people do nothing about that which is most important to their souls. Let's all remember the Apostle Paul and let's remember that he did something. He did something for the Lord. He did something for those around him. And tonight you can do something for yourself. And if it's obeying the gospel, it will not only be for you, but it will be for the brethren around you who will be your brothers and sisters in Christ. It'll encourage them. It'll be for the Lord. But most of all, it'll be for you and for your soul. And you'll begin your pathway and your walk with the Lord doing the work of the Lord. And that's something Paul would not stop doing. I hope God will help me to do it all the rest of my life, as long as I can. If we can encourage you tonight to think about the gospel of Christ and by the song of encouragement, to be led to obey Him. We'd love to help you. We'd love to pray with you or help you obey the gospel tonight. If you'd let us know, if you'd let us help you in any way, come while we stand and while we sing.